Loved ones, it is so good to see you here tonight. Welcome on this beautiful Saturday evening as I take a moment to welcome you. Uh, Missy and I have been delighted to be able um, to host one of Carol's team members in our home, Terry. It's been a delight uh, for you to stay in our home for a couple of evenings. And then in this week, uh, Carolyn and Terry will be staying in our home, or Carol and Terry will be staying in our home, I believe, until uh, Thursday or so, and uh, it's a great delight uh, to be able to host them. I understand Stephanie, am I correct? Also a staff member, so Carol may, Carol may say a word a bit more about Stephanie and Terry, but we're delighted to have all of you uh, here tonight. Um, before Carol comes, I want to affirm the following. Your greatest strength as a follower of Jesus is your weakness. Your weakness is your greatest strength. When you're weak and you're depending upon the Lord for what God can do in and through your weakness, that's your greatest strength. He's your greatest strength. When we are weak, he is strong. And I, I believe Carol Ward is a demonstration of the glory of God for that reason. She leads a ministry uh, to persons in Uganda and South Sudan, or Sudan, and I've asked her to take a little bit of time tonight and share with you about her ministry before she goes into preaching. So what I want to do is just take a moment and pray for her and then ask you to put your hands together and extend a warm heart of welcome to her as she comes. Carolyn, would you, Carol, would you come and pardon me? I keep calling you Carolyn, Carol. So uh, anyway, maybe your mom did that. I don't know. But <laughs> but please know that it's uh, endearing from, uh, from me. But let me, if we we could let me just pray for you before you open the word of God so Lord we lift Carol as your servant to you as the scripture says blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord and we agree that's our heart God and we pray blessing uh, the scripture tells us in Malachi there's an open heaven that's available to your people and so we pray open the windows of heaven over our gathering tonight uh, let transcendent Holy Spirit power touch your people in tangible, life-changing, life-transforming ways for your namesake and your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Loved ones, would you put your hands together? Welcome Carol as she's come this evening. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What an honor to be here. And I feel very, very overwhelmed with hunger. I don't know about you, but it's wonderful to be hungry. And I was turning around and blessing somebody in church one time, and God said, just bless them with hunger. I said, bless them with hunger? He said, yeah, because if somebody's hungry, they're going to be desperate for me. But if somebody's too satisfied, they won't pursue me anymore. They're not going to come to the table. So I'm just overwhelmed with hunger, and I pray that it will just will rub off on each other. But I want to thank you so much, Pastor Paul and Missy, for just uh, opening your hearts, opening your home, having us, and loving us, and Memphis loving us, and all of you precious family, because that's what you are, it's family, not strangers. And Terry and Stephanie are here, and they're just awesome, awesome team members, and have been ministering around, and... Uh, a blessing. I, they're God sent. And so they're going to be praying with you after, afterwards too. We're going to have 
just a, a stirring of the pot. That's what I felt tonight. Stir up the pot. You know, when the juice settles to the bottom and you got to stir it up, huh? That we stir up and we have a pool of Bethesda tonight. That you can come in and get wet in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God wants to do some things that are life-changing and transforming. Amen? So before I just dive into the river, because I feel I'm already kind of in the middle of the river. But um, I do live in South Sudan. Terry lives in Uganda. And we have almost 500 missionaries in a war zone of bullets. So if there's been bullets flying in Memphis lately, which is what I understand, it's getting a little bit hotter and a little bit darker, then I can, I can assure you that God is able to bring Bibles into the midst of war zones instead of bullets. And if we can see what we're seeing with the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in these nations that have been so dark and oppressive with terrorism, then surely we can see it in America. And so God is about the transformation business. So we have about 500 full-time South Sudanese missionaries there, and we're sending them into seven nations. When I ask them who wants to go into the 1040 window, into the darkest areas of terrorism and satanic occult, at the cost of your life, 250 hands will just go up. And we just finished a missionary training movement. And they said, send us, we're ready to die. Now, how many of us would be that zealous for the gospel? But their answer today is, my eternity is secure, theirs is not. Why wouldn't we give what is temporal to gain what is eternal? And that's something I want to challenge you with tonight, where you give what is temporal to gain what is eternal. So today, as we're seeing a missionary movement, as we're seeing young people that are criminals on drugs and trafficking, 200, over 200 of them come in, and in three months' time, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit is so at work in their lives that in three months from the highest murderers in the city, trafficking, sex trade, prostitution, you name it, they are worshiping. God with passion and violence. They're praising, they're interceding, they're writing songs, they're witnessing three months in the kingdom. And some of us have been 30 years in the kingdom. What's missing? I want to challenge you, and that's all I'll say about South Sudan, but the books are free. You can get one on spiritual warfare, and there's a website. You can look it up and find out much more. We're trying to get a piece of property for these kids and training, training them to be missionaries. Because I said, what am I supposed to do with all these murderers, God? I thought we were training missionaries. Well, he said, you asked me for laborers. I said, well, this isn't quite what I asked you for. He said, well, it's your job to clean them up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Clean them up, quip them up, and send them out. And that's how they're multiplying. So we're looking right now to get a campus to do that for these young people. And so you can be a part of a missionary movement where five to 6,000 a month are coming to Jesus with discipleship every month. 80,000 plus Bibles. If I added all the missionaries in about seven countries, including where Terry is in Uganda, it's about 800, 900 missionaries. We equip them, train them, and send them. And I'm going to say this. Jesus didn't ask us to finish his task. 
go into all the world and make disciples of all nations without giving us the power to do it. He doesn't ask us to do something that he doesn't equip us. So our job over there is equip them and send them. I am weeping for Memphis. I lay down this afternoon because I got up at 2.30 this morning to make a flight. Got into Pastor Paul's, lay down for a few minutes and I couldn't sleep. The tears began rolling down my face and soaking my pillow. And I had to say, what city am I in today? Because I'm moving kind of fast. I said, oh, Memphis. And I began weeping on my pillow for this city. Servants ask him for supplies. Sons ask him for cities. And it's time we said, we've tasted and we've seen what the Spirit of God can do. But how can you get a hold of a whole city and transform it? It's going to take more than a person. It's going to take a movement. It's going to take a monumental movement. The kingdom of God has suffered violence, Matthew 11. It's the violent that take it by force. And the only way that we can spoil the goods of harvest is if the strong man is bound. I just want to share with you what I feel in my belly is the cry of the spirit tonight. I feel a cry of the spirit. I liken this unto a picture the Lord showed me in worship one time. And when we enter into worship, I finally said to the Lord, we have teams of worshipers and teams of missionaries over there and teams of counselors and medical and those who do women empowerment, trauma counseling, work with the youth. And we have teams and we pray for two hours a day. We come together two hours every day, just like the New Testament church. They met daily and they broke bread and God added to their numbers. And that's exactly what's happening. We're living in the book of Acts. We're seeing every miracle in the book of Acts. But how many of us want to pray the price of the book of Acts? We want the miracles. We want the power. Do we want to pray the price of the book of Acts? The book of Acts is the actions of the New Testament church as they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. It's actions that the Holy Spirit did through the church. So Jesus said, I've started the work. I've shown you how to minister. I sent you out to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, open blind eyes and preach the gospel. He said, and you came back with testimonies of watching me at work. And then when he said at the end of the gospels, all of them go now into all the world. But before you do, he said, all authority is given unto me and I'm giving you the same authority. Go. Signs and wonders will accompany you. When you've received the Holy Spirit. Because he said in Acts 1.8. You've got to go tear it. You can receive the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders. With the signs and wonders he talks about in Mark 16. Are you going to. You're going to see the power of God. He said you're going to see devils cast out. You're going to speak with new tongues. You're going to drink poison. You can walk on snakes. Those things happen. I lived in the jungle in the Philippines. Because I grew up with ISIS playmates. The, the children of ISIS. My dad was a Bible translator with Wycliffe for 62 years in the jungles of Mindanao. And my playmates were those um, precious children. 
as and I and those were the villages and I didn't have slippers till I was 12 and I lived kind of like Tarzan you know swinging in the trees and and uh, those old movies you know I've just seen the black and white I don't see I've not seen anything recent but but anyway I didn't have slippers till I was 12 stepped on snakes stepped on cobras climbed trees swung in the never never hurt nothing ever bit me I didn't know that verse then, but my parents sure did. And we lived under the power of God. We saw miracles. Because when they first went out there, they said, we can't face this kind of darkness. Does this sound familiar in our city? Without a power great enough to confront it. Are we equipped to confront what's rising up in our cities across America right now? They got on their faces and said, God, there's got to be more. We've come out here. They didn't know the power of the Holy Spirit. They just went to the field to translate. And all of a sudden, they come face to face with a power they've never encountered before of spiritual darkness. And I see the same thing in Africa. Human sacrifices and all kinds of things. Decapitation, murders, answering to Lucifer. are just awful. Doesn't scare me a bit, though, because we walk into a room and God walks into a room. Isn't that right? When you walk in, God walks in. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is at work today to raise up a church, to finish the works that Jesus started. He said, greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. Work for the night is coming when no man shall work anymore. In my name, you'll heal the sick, cast out devils, preach the gospel and raise the dead. Are we doing that? One little pastor from Mississippi heard me on the radio in Memphis. And I mean, I, was I in Memphis? I don't remember where I was. But I was driving and he calls me. And he says, will you come speak? I said, why do you need me to come speak? He said, well, we've never heard these miracles before like this. I've never heard power of God like this before. I said, do you have the same Bible I have? I said, it, does it start in Genesis and go to Revelation? I said, all the instruction is there. And he said, well, we just need to be stirred up. I said, good, go do it then. Get the Bible out, start reading it, and we just get a little information and we go apply it. And I said to him, he got quiet for a minute. We talked a little bit more. I said, you know what, I can't come right now, but let me challenge you with one question. I said, when you and I stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, Someday, do you want to hear the Lord say, well, I'm sure glad you're here. But you made it in with a half a tank of gas and you could have had a full one. I said, I don't want to hear that. I want to know that I've had everything Jesus paid for us to have. And it's going to take that to see a movement of the spirit of God. Now, let me liken it unto this. And I want to talk about the cry of the spirit for a minute. Because I believe God wants to release some things tonight. And I believe he wants to open up the fountains of the deep. In Genesis 8, it says when there was evil on every side. Do you all know the story of Noah, right? There was wickedness. And God called a righteous man. And he said, I want you to build an ark. And then you know on and on the story. The 40 days of rain and they go inside the ark, okay? After the rain is over. And the ark is still floating. Noah wants to see if the water's gone down. So first he sends a raven. This is all in Genesis 8. Now, the raven comes back. So he sends a dove. The dove comes back. You know why the... What's the Holy Spirit likened unto? 
in the Gospels when he rested upon Jesus and he's come up out of the Jordan River being baptized in the form of a dove. So I looked at that and I said, oh, he sent a raven the first time, second time he sent a dove. The dove came back. Why did the dove come back to Noah? There was no resting place. Sent him out again. This time he came back with an olive branch. Sent him out a third time. And you know what? He didn't come back because he found a resting place. You know what Romans 8 says? I'm going to read this first to you. Romans 8, 18 and 19. Let me start at 19. For the whole creation, all of nature waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. Then in verse 26. In the same way the Spirit comes to us, he helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray, how to offer to God prayer as we should, but the Holy Spirit himself knows our need, and he knows the right time to intercede and how to intercede on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit knows how to pray. And when the church has been quiet and darkness has risen, Proverbs 10, an unwise son sleeps during harvest. The spirit of God has been groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Where are the sons and daughters of God in this city? Romans 8:14 says, as many as are led of the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. Where are they? And in Hebrews 2.10, it says, and the Spirit of God, he wants to bring sons and daughters to glory. Is this what we're seeing in the next generation of youth right now? Are we just seeing them coming to glory? Are we seeing Joel 2, where he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and they'll have dreams and visions. Are we just seeing that? I always say, well, I, I like to troubleshoot. And I do a lot of leadership training with it. Well, if we're not seeing that, is the problem with God or with me? We want to see that. Now, we're seeing that in action in Uganda and in South Sudan and Chad and Congo and Ethiopia. And we're watching God work like that. But I have to say that I've stood and wept because for years we've quenched the Holy Spirit. We've quenched him. And 1 Thessalonians 5 says, don't quench him. Don't smother him. Don't suppress him. Why is he telling us not to? Because we have a tendency to do that. He says in Ephesians 4, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Why is he telling us not to? Because we have a tendency to do that. And then Jesus says in the Gospels, and be sure you don't blaspheme. Because that's a sin that can't be forgiven. Jesus left the Holy Spirit to continue his ministry in us. So we could finish the works and do greater. Not less. Greater than. That's what John 9 says. Greater than. When we get together for worship, I do not look for a performance. I do not look for a program. We have none. I don't know what one looks like. And we have services. I don't look for a platform. I don't look for even a pulpit or a title. 
I look for his presence. If he's present, I don't want anything else. So we all get together like this and we start worshiping. And we go deep into worship. Deep into worship. We just get lost in God. In America, you have clocks, but in Africa, we have time. We don't put limitations on the Lord. He'll pull one out. He'll do something here. He'll do. We never know. And our services may become quite radical. But when the Holy Spirit overshadows us, he can conceive something new in us like he did in Luke 1 to Mary. He overshadowed Mary. And she conceived in her the word of God. And many times we miss getting a vision from God or having an encounter with the Holy Spirit because we don't linger and let him overshadow. But when he overshadows us, he drops in us a word of repentance like he did in Isaiah 6. What was Isaiah doing? He was worshiping. And along comes the Holy Spirit. He says, holy, holy, holy. And then he says, oh, i got to repent. I'm quite unclean. And so he goes through, get the cold from touch my lips. I'm undone. And then after all that, he says, oh, I heard God asking for somebody to go. Because he's under the shadow of the Almighty. We don't linger long enough in worship to have encounters with the Holy Spirit as they did in the New Testament church. But he wants to work and he wants to do something deep in us. Now, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we shall receive power. But do you know in 2 Samuel, even in, in the Old Testament, it talks a lot about the Spirit of God came upon them, even before Acts. And, 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 and the Spirit of God came on Saul. It says when the Holy Spirit rested on Saul, and that is in, in, in 2 Samuel uh, 10 verse 6, it, it, the Holy Spirit turned him into another man. And he began prophesying. Now, many times we're afraid of that because we don't want to be turned into another man. We don't want to look <clears throat> ridiculous. We don't want to be a spectacle. And we're afraid to lose control. If you want the fullness of, your Holy, of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will have to lose control. Because if you're in control, he cannot be. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he takes control. Because you know why? Corinthians says, we are his vessel. We are his temple. He has ownership. He has a final say. So if we're not willing to lose control of our, where we want to go, what we want to do with our money and our time and our lives, then we won't yield and we won't let go. I, I don't know what it looked like in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came on them. But I want you to know, I don't think that Peter had his pen out notebook and spent 10 days preparing a sermon. I don't think that he did. I think that they were just there in the presence of, the, nobody knew what was going to happen. 
Absolutely nobody. And nobody knew how long it was going to take. And they didn't know what this looked like. They just knew they wanted God. And they wanted to be equipped. And they wanted to be empowered. And when the Holy Spirit came on them, Peter was so empowered that he got up with fire in his mouth, as Jeremiah 5 says, and fire in his bones, preached a sermon out of the Bible that he knew because it was testimony, it was eyewitness account of it. 3,000 people came. Do you know why five to 6,000 people a month are coming to the Lord Jesus over in Africa? Because of prayer. We don't have better sermons than America. You've got so much theology and intellect and, can I have some water, please? I'm, I'm, it's right there, I'm sorry. <coughs> because of prayer. Oh, thank you, thank you. Because of prayer, people are coming in. No man, John chapter 6, 44, can come unless the Spirit draws him. Your sons and daughters can't come home unless the Spirit of God draws them. So they're there praying 10 days, waiting on the Lord, ministering to him. And when the Holy Spirit falls and empowers his church, and by the way, they went from infilling to infilling to infilling to infilling. 3,000 come in in one day because the Holy Spirit had already drawn. He'd been brooding like he did in Genesis over the face of the deep. It says the Holy Spirit brooded and created something out of nothing. He'd been preparing the hearts. He'd been preparing Peter to speak the word with truth like a knife. It cut to conviction later in Acts, it says. And the Holy Spirit yearns, he groans to fill the church the same way. You and I, so we can accomplish the things Jesus has left us to do. I've looked down the barrels of guns. I've walked through ambushes that I should have been blown up at. And I'm ready to go and meet him. I said, use me in life or death. It doesn't matter. But the Holy Spirit said, it's not your time. And he put a barricade. And he can blind the enemy when he needs to blind the enemy. And he can open my eyes to see the traps of the enemy when I need to. I wouldn't want to live a day without him. And I wouldn't want to live a day not being led by him. Because if we do our own thing, he can't have total control. He said in Galatians 5, when you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh or any of our own desires. The Holy Spirit brings the fruit. I can't produce joy. I can't produce love. I can't create peace. I can say more of you Holy Spirit more of you because he brings the fruit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control the Holy Spirit brings the gifts how many of us would like to see a whole village saved in one day Memphis saved in one day well if Jesus stopped at this well and met the woman at the well and he had a word of knowledge for her whole village gets saved. She brings them all. The Holy Spirit's moving through the gifts for salvations. 
We need the gifts. There's nine of them in 1 Corinthians 12. He gave us the gifts to finish the job. Faith and miracles and healing and tongues and interpretation and discernment and wisdom and knowledge. We need them. And the Holy Spirit gives them freely. Have you ever been to a birthday party and somebody piled gifts and presents and we're there to celebrate whoever's birthday it is? And they go, I don't think I want your gifts. You can just take them back home with you today. Thank you very much. Have you ever been to, I've never been to a party like that. But the Holy Spirit has. Because we do that quite often when he comes to empower us. Well, I'm scared of that. Well, I don't know. We have to be willing to lose control. We have to be willing to let go. Now, the Holy Spirit residing in us in greater and greater possession of these temples. He's our teacher. John 16, he'll teach us everything we need to know. 1 John 2, 27, the anointing of God inside of you will teach you. I'm over there leading a, a military. Godly military. Just giving orders, life and death situations, evacuating bullets, ambushes. I don't know how to do what I'm doing. I don't have a clue how to do it. But I know who I'm following. And he's my teacher, minute by minute by minute by minute. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Did you know that every battle we're facing in America today and every battle for our children is a battle over truth? You can trace every battle of obedience, disobedience, government, rebellion, schools, whatever, to a battle for the truth. It's a battle against the truth. Jesus is the truth. And he said, the Holy Spirit will lead you into the truth. You can't listen to the media and say, well, this is true and this is not true. You don't know. We don't know what's true anymore. But the Holy Spirit sure does. Stick with the truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us. How long has it been since we've been convicted about something? Most of the time we like to just smother, suppress, quench. And you know what? The word of God says we build up a callus and pretty soon we don't hear him anymore. Or we don't even blush at sin anymore. There's no conviction. The Holy Spirit has come to convict us of truth and error. The Holy Spirit has come to correct us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that word of God, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the way. You can't take our parts of the book and say, well, we love the author, but we're not quite so sure we like all the book. Uh, they go together. And he corrects us, 2 Timothy 3.16. Profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, training, and righteous, righteousness. So we can be fully equipped, approved by God. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us into truth, and he's here to direct us. The still small voice, Isaiah 30, 15, 21. You hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. My sheep hear my voice. Faith comes by hearing. Do we have enough faith, or are we manipulated by fear? The more we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through his word and his promises, the greater our faith will be. And the more our fear, 
will absolutely diminish. The ministry and function of the Holy Spirit in his church and through his church to accomplish what needs to be finished in these days. Why is evil rising faster than truth? Every time I come back to America, I thought, is this really still America? It didn't used to be like this. But our prayer closets have been empty. In Africa, it's not a matter of choice. Prayer is life or death. And prayer disarms darkness. I describe the church in America, and any of us even over there too, who leave prayer closets empty. And by the way, he said in Matthew 6, 6, close the door and pray to me in secret, and I will reward you openly. And I believe the measure of our open rewards in relationships and answers to prayer is equivalent to what happens when we close the door and meet in secret. Never let that be robbed. Samson was used by God to destroy enemy nations, Philistines. And you know the story about his hair growing, right? What did he do? He started courting prostitution. Talks about that in Hosea too. Jesus said, my bride, I want to woo her to myself, but she's gone after other lovers. Entertainment, sometimes religion, sometimes busyness. That's what Delilah was to Samson, a big distraction. And he put his head in the wrong place on her lap. And where the church has been. Now she wore him down. Instead of getting up and walking away. said, I'm going back to my prayer closet. Samson said I'm going back to my calling. Do you know that the Holy Spirit gives you your identity? In Galatians 5 it says. He bears witness with you. That you are the sons of God. The daughters of God. Crying Abba. Father. And if we don't know our identity. Identity, we will never know our destiny. It comes from the Holy Spirit bearing witness in us. So Samson put his head there. And she finally got the secret of his strength. What'd she do? She cut it off. The enemy knows that our strength is in our prayer and our communion, the power of the Holy Spirit, moving, worship overshadowing his body, giving him such a vision again that they're pregnant with it. That's what I challenged 240 missionaries just a month ago. I said, you get pregnant with your city. And if you're pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to stretch you. It's going to enlarge you. It's going to make you uncomfortable. Some nights you can't sleep. I'm talking about a restless woman nine months pregnant. Y'all know what I'm talking about, some of you. Men probably don't. But when you're pregnant with a vision, without it you perish, Proverbs 29, 18, but when you're pregnant with a vision, you will give birth to the sons and daughters of our cities, bringing them to glory. And there's a travail and a cry and a groaning of the spirit to empower his bride to do that. Well, Samson got his hair cut. 
And as soon as his strength was cut off, what did the enemy do? Get up, Samson. Enemy's on you. Got up thinking he was just as strong as ever. And he didn't know he was as weak as any other man. And we've stood up in our services and churches and gone out into the streets and everything, thinking we're just as strong as ever. And wondering, where's the power of Acts 2 and the New Testament church? Holy Spirit, would you come and take control and take possession and take ownership? Jeremiah 5 and chapter 5, chapter 20, I have fire in my mouth. I have fire in my bones. He couldn't keep quiet. Is that how we feel? So desperately hungry that nothing else satisfies. David said, my tears in Psalm 42 have been my food day and night because I want to see him so much in my city. I have no other appetite. Paul said, I suffer the loss of everything I own, all my knowledge, all my education. I count it as dung so that I can win him in Philippians 3. David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. That means it cost him. Revelations 3.18 says to the Laodicean church, and as I was reading and praying even these last weeks, Revelations 2 and 3 says, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I said, oh, he's talking to us all the time. And he's got something to tell us. Well, he did to the seven churches and then to the Laodicean church. He said, you think you're okay. We think we're fine. We think we don't need anything, many. And he said, but let me tell you how it really is. We're unequipped, we're unempowered, blind, naked, and miserable. He said, but I'm not going to leave you like that. I got a remedy. Isn't that wonderful? God always has an answer. If we feel hungry, he's got an answer. He said, come and buy food without any money in Isaiah 55. Come and drink freely from the waters. And we can't even worship him unless we worship in spirit and in truth to touch the heart of God. That's in John 4. So he says in Revelations 3.18, come and buy something from me. You want to not be lukewarm? I'm going to tell you how to stay hot, church. I need you to come and buy something. Well, buying means there's, it costs something, right? There's a price tag. We're not paying money for a heavenly commodity, but it might just cost our lives. Because he says, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. That means the issue was settled the time we say yes to Jesus. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. Peter says the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. White linen. That's the good deeds of the church and revelations, and it's the purity and holiness. And then he says, and salve for your eyes so you can see. So the church can see again the hope of their calling. We were called, as in Matthew 10, as throughout the book of Acts, go heal the sick, go open the blind eyes, 
Go cast out the devils. Go cleanse the lepers. Go preach the gospel to where it pierces and cuts. And by the way, go raise the dead where you're at it. It's all in one sentence. It wasn't like, you know, promotions and then you can raise the dead. It's all in one sentence. Go do that. And let them know your God's alive and he's on the move. Now that's revival. That's what revival looks like. It's when the body of Christ becomes what he paid for us to walk in on Calvary and what the Holy Spirit came to invade us, empower us, and equip us to do fully in his name to finish what he left us to finish. That's what revival looks like. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can quicken your mortal bodies. Activate us, Romans 8, 11. Fill us from glory to, oh, glory to glory. I just love 2 Corinthians 3. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So if all we have is a Bible that's a history book and we don't know the author behind it, we can kill ourselves with our own theology and information, which we have much of. Only information with application brings transformation. Being doers of the word, James 1 said, or we deceive ourselves if we're not putting into practice and applying a message we hear every single Sunday. Then we're self-deceived. The Holy Spirit came to take this word and apply it to our lives. I was saying to pastor this morning, isn't it wonderful how he brings us out to bring us in? How does that apply to you? He brings you out of things to bring you into the fullness. He brings you out of our own control to bring us into the release of the spirit. One time I said, God, why is this fire so hot? Seems like I've been in it a while. You see the fourth man in the fire like Daniel's three friends. And the Lord said to me, I'm refining you to redefine you. I am refining you to redefine you. The Holy Spirit is after empowering us to fulfill what Jesus left for us to do. And they went from glory to glory to glory. And they did exactly that. Jesus was, isn't it something that in Luke 4, it says he was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And some of us need to be driven. I need to be driven. I need to be pushed and forced when I don't feel like fasting for 40 days drove him into the wilderness alone for the purpose of an encounter with God. He had to fight some devils. But when those 40 days was up, it says the Holy Spirit led him. And he was empowered to set the captive free. He was empowered to open blind eyes and heal the brokenhearted because he'd had an encounter. Because he had been Filled fully again and again and again. And we need that. We don't ever just arrive. But the Holy Spirit is present to heal. As he was in the Bible. That's physical healing. 
That's mental healing. But you know what that is? Also, to heal you to your calling. To heal us to our calling. Where we've gone astray. Where we've lost the good way. I pray across this nation, God, turn every pulpit into a prayer closet. And turn every pew into a birthing room. Let us see a movement in our city again. Don't pray for the city. Pray for it right here. Because if it happens right here, you know what happens when the river starts bubbling right here? You just read Ezekiel 47. The river of God, the Holy Spirit. And I started to tell you about Genesis 8. Do you know why the dove did not come back the third time when Noah sent him out? Because he found a resting place. And I asked this of the Lord. I said, you've sent the Holy Spirit once. And maybe he came and said, church isn't interested. They're not interested in groaning, giving up their rights, letting me have a resting place for full possession. So we went back to the Father. I don't think they're ready, Lord. Second time, the dove goes back and he's got a branch in his mouth, right? So there's a sign of life. But the third time, the dove didn't come back. Do you know why? He found a resting place. And I began weeping when I saw that picture. Because I said, God, you broke open the fountains of the deep. And where is the river of the Holy Spirit going to originate from? He's going to, as he fills us and empowers us, he breaks open the fountains of the deep out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, John 7. And you get your river and I, you, everybody gets your river. You got a monumental torrent you ever seen white waters of the Nile River number five for rapids? That's what it'll look like when the church is flowing together with the fire and the river of God. You're, you're so hungry. You're an unstoppable force. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And Ezekiel 47 talks about that river. Where does it begin? From the house of God, the sanctuary that needs to be made alive again with powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit. When that river just comes up as a geyser, like the pool of Bethesda, and it comes out of our belly, and we go out and are affecting our cities. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just movements of prayer walks and worship in the street. It's hours of Holy Spirit encounters where people are, Crying to get in the door. I want to I get in the pool of Bethesda. It's, it's flowing out from the sanctuary. And getting out into the streets. And out of our bellies come rivers of living water. It's life-giving. That's the yearning and the cry of the Spirit of God for his bride. Can he find us available? Can he find us yielded? Can he find us willing? And I love Luke 11 where it says, if a daddy would give his kids a piece of bread when they're hungry and not say, well, let me give you a stone instead of a piece of bread. How much more will the Father give the power and the Holy Spirit and everything the Holy Spirit has come to do in us for those that ask? How hungry are we? How desperate are we? Many times we want a gift. And we want his gift, not necessarily the gifts 
of the Spirit, but we want a gift from him. Do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. But I, I'm not sure about you, Holy Spirit. Just give me what you got. And that's often how we treat him. I need these answers to prayer. But I'm not sure what total possession. But when you go after the heart of God, you get it all. He's not going to grow his church in Memphis, brothers and sisters, and I say this lovingly, by our methodologies and by our formulas and by our systems and by our strategies. He grows his church not by might, not by power of man, but by his spirit, Zechariah 4, 6. That's how he grows his church. That's what he did in Acts. That's how he expands kingdom business. How hungry. How desperate. Blessed are the hungry. And those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Are we going to be filled if we're not hungry? Probably not. Because I always look at a verse in reverse. As many as are led of the spirit of the sons of God. So if I'm not being led of the spirit, am I going, am I a prodigal today? I don't know. I just want to be led of the spirit all the time. And not worry about it. Am I hot or am I lukewarm? I don't know. I just want to stay hot. So I don't have to worry about lukewarm. As many as are led of the spirit are the sons of God. How hungry and how desperate. Are we to see God take over and overtake? The blessings of the Lord overtake the righteous, overtake the hungry. There's an infilling and there's an empowerment that we haven't even touched on. I haven't. I've, I've seen a lot and I'm a part of a lot, but I'm not yet satisfied. And my song is, and my cry in my closet. Let me want more of you. I sing this to the Lord. Let me want more of you. Let me want more. Let me want more and still not be satisfied. Let me want more. Let me want more and still not be satisfied. Because as soon as we become satisfied, we become complacent and content. And we stop yearning for his presence. He wants to overshadow us to empower us. He wants to bring us the gifts. He wants to grow the fruit in us. He wants to take us from glory to glory. And the rest of 2 Corinthians 3 says, yes, the letter kills and the spirit gives life. But he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he said, I can lift the veil. Sometimes that veil is our traditions. In 318, 2 Corinthians 3.18, sometimes it's our denomination. Sometimes it's our shame. Sometimes it's our fear. Sometimes it's our past. But we have veils over our eyes. I'm going, can we see him clearly? How can we do what he does? If Jesus said, I only do what my father does. I only do what I see my father doing. Then we've got to see him. I think the saddest verse in the Bible is 2 Samuel 14, 28. It's Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem and he never saw the face of the king. Can we worship every day and never see the Father's face? Oh, I don't want to live like that. 
I want to see his face every day. I want to hear his voice every day. And isn't it interesting in Isaiah 6 when he had the encounter with the Lord and the Lord said, I'm having a hard time healing my people because they can't see and they can't hear anymore. And their hearts don't understand. And I'm not able to heal them. That means if we could see spiritually and hear and have a soft heart, God could bring healing to our families and our cities. It starts with seeing him. So in 2 Corinthians 3, when he says, I can lift the veil. And you know what he said? And when you see me, you'll be changed from glory to glory. So that means the Holy Spirit changes us. He said you'll be changed from glory to glory by the Spirit. We can't change ourselves. We can go out and change the city. We can pray. We can participate any way we can in the schools and the government, but I can't effect heart change. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you and in I, and it starts with us. So we can pray for our cities, but God holds us accountable. Isn't it something? Let me close with this. We're going to go to prayer. Luke 19. You remember the story of the parables, right? So he gives one talent to one man and five talents to another and ten to another. And he says, I'm coming back to check on you. Your talents might be your time, might be your treasure, your money. God comes back to check on those talents. The one that never did anything with his time or his money or invested in the kingdom, Jesus called him wicked in that chapter wicked because he didn't utilize the time and the money and the talents for the kingdom the one with five he said okay you did a good job and he added to it the one with ten that invested Jesus said well done and you've been faithful with what I asked you to do in Christchurch, in Memphis. Now I'm going to make you a ruler over 10 cities. And I asked the Lord, I said, wait a minute, you're talking about talents. Why are you going to reward him with cities? He's not going to give us 10 cities if we're not faithful with one city. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, because I hold you accountable for your city. You're the gatekeeper. We have towns and villages over there in South Sudan. We take responsibility. We feel accountable. Servants ask for supplies, but sons ask for cities. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to begin with us. Overtaking. Saturating. Fully equipping us. Taking total possession. Because we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We have new ownership. And he can do what he wants to do. And he will in his church. And that's what we're seeing in Africa. And we live in the middle of it. 
And it's the most exciting movement I've ever seen. Do you know what we call it now? Missionary movement. Because they're coming and praying and going. Coming and praying and going. And as I was praying for these missionaries, God said, this may be a martyrdom movement someday. And we don't know what's going to happen in America. But we need to be prepared. Five virgins in Matthew were not prepared. And five were. They had enough oil. They had the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what that oil represents. And five weren't ready. And the virgins were the church. I said, that's half your church, Lord. Oh, my. Well, maybe there's a different definition to it, but that's kind of what I swallow. I don't have theology and, and, and all of that, but I just let, oh, the Holy Spirit, what are you saying here? What did you mean? How do I apply this today? What do you want me to do with the scripture? Because the Holy Spirit rests upon the word of God without measure. John chapter 3. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit, devour the word. He wrote it and he lives on it. And the more we put that in our life, he's the truth. He leads us into all truth. And he empowers us to do the works that Jesus called us to do. Work for the night is coming when no man will work anymore. We can't do that in our own flesh. Not by might or power, by his spirit. I don't know if the worship team is still here. But I love worship. And when we sing worship, we just kind of forget about everything else. And we just go deep into worship. Worship becomes a heart cry. Worship becomes a journey. Worship because I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. I want to see God. I want to have an encounter with the Lord. I want to leave here different than when I walked in. That's what we cry for in worship. And that's what happens when we come in hungry. And so I want to pray the Holy Spirit is just going to stir. You come up. If all of you are hungry, then just everybody come up. And you can kneel or stand. We're going to pray for you. But we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to just come. And to just move and have his way. And I think our one prayer tonight. Maybe you have a, a personal prayer. That's okay. But I think our one prayer should be take me deeper than where I am. Empower me more than what I've seen. Possess me more than what I've ever known. And equip me more than even what I understand. Because his ways are so much higher than ours. Just begin to cry out from the belly.